0: Hello, I'm Dapper Dank of Austin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count.
1: Oh ho ho! And I'm mischievous Mark Chinnacchio, and I too own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But Dan, those annuals—they just don't count. And you continuing to insist otherwise—it's—it's it's really bringing me down. I got to be honest. Oh, well, I, I apologize, Mark. But
0: what about those giant-sized ones we're getting soon?
1: <laughs> oh, those giant-sized ones. They, they definitely count because, you know, I have them all and you don't have all of them, right?
0: Yeah, that's fair. I think the especially these ones that are upcoming, but that's for another day. Well, welcome to The Amazing Spider-Talk, everybody, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this review episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Now,
1: Mark, let's hear you butcher some names. Oh, I love the butcher some names. I'm like the name butcherer. That's my superpower, you know. So today on the show, Dan and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Number 64, Legacy Number 865, titled King's Ransom, Part 2. Amazing Spider-Man, Number 64, was written by Nick Spencer, with art by Federico Vincentini, colors by Alex Sinclair and letters by VCs Joe Caramunga and a cover by Mark Bagley, John Dell and Edgar Delgado. This issue was first released on April 21st, 2021. I think I did good on that one, Dan. What do you think?
0: You nailed it, Mark. You nailed it. What's
1: Right? I mean let's let's talk about some comic here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's been a little while for us. I'm happy to be back here. So Amazing Spider-Man 64, that's 865, continues this King's Ransom story. You know, for a title with King's Ransom, there is very little Kingpin actually in these comics. Although I feel like by the end of the story, he's gonna be a much bigger player. But we do start off with him at the very least here. So, Kingpin is using Baron Mordo to uh, torture Kindred, which was kind of like a no go for Osborn earlier in the scene. I mean, I mean Norman Osborn. Although, if if Kindred is Harry Osborn, it is a a, a no go for him. I mean, too, yeah, I'm right sure. To I'm sure he
1: doesn't enjoy the, the the torture, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, a no go I mean, there.
0: I, it's interesting because we had Kindred saying like a few issues back, like. When he was trapped, like, this is exactly where I want to be, you know? And, and it's like, m- maybe he doesn't feel quite the same way uh, undergoing this torture. He was not expecting Baron Mordo to come in and and we get some kind of weird narration from Kindred. And, you know, this is kind of a Spencerism, which is kind of starting a story off with, uh, you know, narration captions where you don't really quite know who's talking and, I do feel like there's maybe a little bit of an over-reliance on you piecing together using the coloration of the narrative to understand who is talking and who's in monologues you're getting. And even then, the writing is so maybe generic is the wrong term. It's just so vague. It's hard to really grasp what it's ever talking about. And I don't know if, if, if it's just like growing exhausted by this whole kindred thing or whatnot. but reading this I was just like
1: la la, la la I don't really care. Yeah, I mean to, to, to that point and this will become pertinent again at the very end of the book, but like I I, I have now reached the point in in this comic when kindred, shows up or kindred is connected to the plot somehow it, it just kind of all grinds to a halt for me and i i don't care i mean he he kindred is poochy now as far as i'm concerned you know maybe he needs to go back to his home planet because i just don't care anymore like you 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 blew your shot with kindred earlier this year to get me to really be compelled here it's just you know like i just feel like we're 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 playing the same tune longer and longer and longer this guitar solo doesn't end i'm throwing every analogy i can out there although i still like pucci i think that one's going to take off dan but yeah i mean like you know so he's getting tortured by mordo and like you said this this vague who's actually narrating the the narrative here is not helping at all you know lines like we all find ourselves in our own little hells i mean so like you said is is he in control is he not in control is this part of the plan it's not clear nothing is being done to earn me wanting to know what the you know to get the clarity to gain clarity here this comic throughout this arc specifically is just so much better when we get away from kindred you know like i like i like to me the the two most frustrating parts of the comic were the opening pages and the last few pages. That's that's where we're at, and I don't know what else you want to say about this sequence, but I would love to talk about what comes afterwards because I actually feel like there's some fun comic in there. <laughs>
0: yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I'll just say generally, and we can revisit this thought at the end, is my feeling about Kindred is in this early scene, I still don't really understand What Kingpin is after? Is he after the tablet of life and death? Is he after Kindred to restore Vanessa? I feel like there's multiple plans here. And this book hasn't done a good job of like threading the needle for me on like how those things are meant to come together. I mean, I know it's supposed to still be a mystery, but I'm still not even really sure like which MacGuffin I should be tracking Most clearly, like maybe it's meant to be both, right? Like he both sent criminals out after the tablet. And meanwhile, he's working on Kindred and those things are going to come together. But whenever we talk about one or the other, it's never really talking about it conjoined with other things. It's talking about it in like an absolute way. So I'm like, is he approaching this from two different angles, hoping one of them will pay off? I, I just don't really understand it. And so that's really nebulous for me. And then, you know, we'll talk later, I'll get into more detail, that I think Kindred and his abilities and power set and status is still very nebulous to me. And when you're watching, like, a horror movie and you don't know the rules of the bad guy and they can just pull any kind of magic trick out of their book, it suddenly feels very unfair. You're just not particularly interested in that. I mean, like, to, to me, that's the appeal of, like, Venom as a bad guy back when he was a simpler character it's like okay we know sonics and fire can hurt him like that's like but he also doesn't you know disrupt spider Man's spider sense so it's like it's like the rock paper scissors and here i feel like it's like rock versus like a hundred swiss army knives and i I just can't get on board with that like i I don't know how to address that
1: it's just been the 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 flaw with this prolonged arc of many is, like you said, like the, the, there are no clear boundaries, no clear rules and no clear stakes because we just don't know what anyone is truly after here, which, you know, I mean, again, yeah, you, you there's you want to have an element of mystery. But like at some point you have to tell people what the story is you want to tell. And I don't think Spencer is doing that. I don't think he wants to tell us what story he's telling. So, I mean, you know, like. I guess if people want to keep trying to guess and keep up, that's on them, but I'm, you know, whatever. I'm kind of not as into it anymore, but I like me some Robbie Robertson and Lonnie Lincoln teaming up. So why don't we, why don't we talk about them for a little bit? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, as we move into the next part of this, I I do think it is worth pointing out that the cover depicts none of this. (laughs) Like the cover is promising us like giant gog, and the Lifeline tablet, and a fight between Spider-Man and Kingpin, and we get none of that here. There, here, and I understand that, like, the, you know, these books are, the covers are often drawn months and months ahead of time. You know, they kind of plug stuff in, and they hope it lines up, and maybe it doesn't. Especially when you're doing a book like this, but w- with the publishing of all of these new giant-sized issues to conclude both this arc and the next arc, which is like the ch- Chameleon. Conspiracy? I don't know what it is. It's probably some double alliteration. I'm forgetting the title of it. And then you've got, you know, this sinister war that was just solicited. I, I feel like this book seems weirdly unfast forward or like that there's just some scramble going on behind the scenes. And, you know, I don't want to blame one cover, but like the misaligning <laughs> nature of this. And the kind of Mark Bagley of it all. Not this is not an insult to Mark Bagley, but the guy is is known for being quick. And whenever I see him kind of filling in gaps, it suggests to me schedules got shifted, and Mark Bagley is trying to like write the ship in, in in some way. And a cover like this suggests that to me. And I just really want to know what's going on behind the scenes in the Spider Office at this time because it just seems so very irregular. That we're getting like a weekly book for two months this summer, with also giant sized issues and like three major event arcs in a row. I I just that's so odd for this book, but maybe maybe that's it. Maybe this is the future of what we should expect a Spider-Man title to be like. Oof!
1: <laughs> Every month there's a dot something, up, uh, a point issue, right? I mean, is that is that what we're gonna get soon? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, t- to that point, like the Sinister War is
0: a separate side event that's going on alongside Amazing Spiders. We're getting like double, double, double shipping. You know, it's like it's just exhausting. I don't want to judge any stories before I read it because that's really not the, you know, kind of like idea of our show. But I don't know. I mean, it's very unusual.
1: Gird your loin, Stan. With all that said, uh, back, back to the plot here. We come back to the scene of, of Peter's once again exploded apartment. <laughs> what did we, what did we say last time? How many apartments has has this has, have been blown up that he's lived? Yeah, in? well,
0: at least there's no dead wino in this one. Yeah,
1: um, that's true. But we have uh, Robbie and and Tombstone there, and of course, like you know, they're fresh off the the awful discovery that their kids are are in love with each other. Look, this is a. a, a kind of tired tradition in storytelling but i'm here for it because i like both of these characters and i like how they interact with each other but like you know the 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 sworn enemies brought together for you know begrudgingly for a common cause like like i'm here for it for for robbie and and and, and lonnie Link- and lonnie lincoln here right i mean so they're, they're fighting each other till spidey shows up kind of, like, basically says, hey, guys, let's, you know, your kids, right? And that kind of, like, snaps them back into place. And, like, watching them kind of try and, like, break down characters like Mirage, I mean, like, to me, that was a, a true highlight for this for this issue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. I thought that this was all a fun dynamic. We finally got an editor's note po- pointing us back to, uh, that great Jerry Conway story. Not that it's easily available anywhere as that entire era of spectacular Spider-Man is like weirdly hidden from view. And, and I don't mean just Jerry Conway. I mean also like JMD's stuff, which for some reason that must be a reason they're not printing in, in any form. But yeah, I did think this was fun. I, there's probably an argument to be made that like Spider-Man, you know, would have webbed up tombstone and pursued on his own with 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 Robbie on this quest that like he wouldn't let just like let a criminal off the hook. But I I don't think that that's even really that all that worth entertaining. Uh, more than I just me bringing it up here. I do love some of the banter, like making fun of the crime master and who is it this time. Which I think is something that we said la- on the last show. It's like how many different crime masters are there and can you keep up? And I wonder if we're headed for a reveal here in in any regard but i also kind of just don't think so i think it's just like there's a dude operating off of uh, staten island that you know w- wants to expand his criminal empire in the, in regards to mirage i don't know how you feel about this but this felt like this book was like the most superior foes that we've gotten in in this title in, in a bit i mean I, I it does this issue to me felt very like Spider Man in the background, the antics of superior foesy characters kind of taking the forefront.
1: I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair assessment, but at the same token, like, I'm not saying that I want Amazing Spider Man to be taken over in terms of tone and narrative by superior foes of Spider Man, but like, that book worked, and I feel like that whole sequence worked. It was funny and like like the whole approach with Robbie trying to kind of use his news hound instincts and and leveraging like his connections and you know mirage being like well you're only two sources and what the other one is it doesn't speak and then it's you know and he's not getting anywhere and then like you know tombstone just comes in with the brute force and i I, like i i again like i legitimately laughed and it was very superior foes but superior foes was a really good comic so like bringing in those elements for scenes like this, it works. It it it, it kind of to me like I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be as big of a fan of it if it didn't fit into the flow of the story. But I feel like you know this was a good instance for Spider Man to kind of fade into the background a little bit and let Robbie and 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 Lonnie work this out. And to your earlier point, I I would think. Here's my no prize in it. I think that Spider Man let Tombstone go because he realized that Tombstone's daughter is involved too. So he probably is trusting his, his paternal instincts that, you know, he's going to do the right thing through here. And then, you know, probably once everyone's back safe and sound, he would web up Tombstone. So there's my no prize. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Hey, let me ask you, you know, before we move on from this story, we get this kind of flashback as to like, how they escaped the explosion at the end of the previous issue. But it's, you know, sandwiched in between these scenes with Robbie and Lonnie as like a Peter, you know, who, who shows up later as Spider-Man, you know, it, it reveals his knowledge about like how they all got away and he knocked out, you know, Fred and transforms into his new costume. But then he's like beaten up by Madam mask and can't, you know, stop her before she and crime master run off with Randy and, and Janice. I felt like kind of weird about that in that the final issue shows like all of them being confronted by crime master and uh, a mask, and then it blows up. But now we're being told that there was like missing time there between those panels that where a bunch of other stuff happened. Uh, I, I don't know if I feel cheated because, like, the end of these comics are most mostly cheats. Like, it's like, everybody died. Yeah. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> Stay but tuned. like, it Two is weeks. weird to mess with time like that. I mean, did you feel cheated at all or, like, that the structure of this was weird?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I don't know if cheated is the word. But, like, I mean, they're definitely, like bending the rules here of the narrative. I mean, like, yes, yeah, we're, no one is actually expecting everyone inside the building to be dead, despite how the last issue ended. But like, I mean, like they 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 really kind of locomoted Peter Boomerang into the scene here in a way where we may not kind of define physics and time and space here. So I don't know if I feel cheated by the cheat, but like, it's just kind of like, eh, you know, like comics, whatever. They need. They're trying to get a story and get a get a funny scene in of you know, Spidey kind of punching out boomerang so, or Peter, so he could you know change into his costume. I guess I, I don't know. I, it's not. I'm not ready to, like, you know, hang up my my uh, my fan club over it, but it's kind of lame, I guess.
0: <laughs> that would be the pettiest way to end your fandom of Spider-Man. Is that, is over... That's How it. dare you mess with a timeline like that? I'm,
1: I'm coming to cancel Spider-Man. To... <laughs> yeah. Over, over um, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we go to a scene where uh, Randy and Janice are tied up uh, by Madame Mask and Crime Master, who reveal that they don't actually really care about the tablets or the quest that they were put on. They're trying to use the kind of chaos of the kidnapping of them to then kill tombstone and Robbie when, when they come to retrieve them and then kind of step in both seizing Lonnie's territory as tombstone. It sounds like installing their own person into the new spot at the head of the bugle, I don't really know how that works, but OK, they don't have to be the most intelligent of criminals. Yeah, I uh, mean, this is a
1: pretty, pretty half-baked scheme, I got to say. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the only thing that kind of worked for me was the idea of, well, there'll be there'd be chaos on the streets from from Tombstone's death. And that's true. But like, yeah, the, the, not everything is a fully formed plan here. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, Janice is trying to like work Madam Mask with her whole like, like syndicate thing, like the all female team. Like, why, why, why did she go with Crime Master instead of doing a female team up? And and that felt appropriate, given that character's kind of criminal history as like girl power villainous. So that that was nice. I mean, it, this issue is very light. You know, I don't really feel that much of a threat from these characters, which I think maybe gets to the whole superior foesness of it, which is like that's the kind of book where, like, if an anvil fell out of the sky on one of your characters, you might think they'd be okay. I can't really get too worked up by the drama here, um, but I don't know that I'm really meant to.
1: And and that and that kind of brings us to Fred's note to Peter, which I I, I got to admit I laughed at this. I mean, it's 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 so over, it's so over the top and ridiculous, but like you know obviously it's meant to be but you know it's 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 fred had uh, a premonition of where the final tablet piece is. You know, he's kind of putting on his best Spider-Man speech here. He can't keep risking it to all these these people, you know, Aunt May and Ra- and Randy. And, and most of all, <laughs> sweet, sweet, innocent Peter. I just, I, I laughed <laughs> at that one. I got to tell you. So he's going to go at it alone. Yeah, I mean, are we, are we about to say goodbye forever to Fred Meyer's boomerang, Dan? What do you think?
0: Well, it's funny that you said it. He puts on his best Spider-Man here because he's getting kind of a Spider-Man arc. I mean, I think we've said that, you know, Peter has not really had very many arcs throughout a lot of these stories. Again, I feel like he kind of feels like a bit of a background character in it. Like, I couldn't really tell you what his investment in all of this is. But to get that big final moment from Fred, it feels like you know, like like the end with him with his arm off, blasting up. It feels like exactly like a panel you get of Peter swinging off into the city with all these faces of guilt or uh, all the villains that he's about to fight. And it's like, oh great, so we're gonna see Boomerang like go, go into a situation, a Spider Man situation. And yeah, there is like a, a you know a sort of foreboding about that, right? Because the the B list characters that do that kind of thing typically things don't work out well for them an image like that to me suggests that like the, the conclusion to this King's ransom story, whether it's the conclusion to boomerang as a person in general, I do think that this seems to be setting up the story to be the conclusion of, you know, the superior foes redemption saga, right? Like if he was a true jerk there, he's been slowly becoming more heroic by the end of this. And, I'm I'm ready to believe it, but I'm also ready to believe that like Master Planner Boomerang is is being noble, but there's a whole back door that's ready to be explored here, uh, where we pull the big heist on everybody uh, at the end of this. I mean, I just I don't believe that that Fred Myers character is ever truly noble.
1: Yeah, I mean that 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 would probably be be on brand for him for, for that as kind of the ultimate swerve here but like you said there's a little bit of a foreboding feeling to it dare I say some stakes involved like you, you you're kind of rooting for Boomerang here to, to do the right thing to kind of have his hero moment we'll see what happens but the comic doesn't end there though Dan there's more <laughs> because. and
0: and this is where I think we're gonna get into uh you know like you've been expressing to me that you're, you're upset the kindredness of it all to me this scene is just kind of like I have no idea what to make of it and and, and not I don't know that I like hated the scene I'm just kind of like wait, we're going here. Like, why are we going here?
1: Right. Well, I mean, just, just, just to back it up. I mean, you know, for any of our listeners here who are not following comic book news, I mean, they were, they announced for this summer that there's going to be a a new arc, Sinister War, and it's going to involve the Sinister Six, it it appears, uh, or, or that Sinister Six and then some. And also it's going to have Otto Octavius uh, back uh, in a Spider-Man book. I mean, it was what the end of the Christos Gage superior run, right? Where he 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 kind of flipped back into Otto's body in, in another deal with was it with Mephisto? I, I'm trying to remember the 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 parameters was, of this yeah. deal, yeah, because he was taking on like what an alternative Norman Osborne, I think, or something like that. It's like Correct. That. Yeah. yeah. That, se- that seems so long ago. It probably wasn't. I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, you know, s- the Sinister Sticks and Otto's return to the book. I mean, like that's an event in its own right, for sure. You know, wh- wh- what what kind of killed me with this teaser, Dan, is, well, well first of all, we're, we're, we're revisiting some some familiar artwork inside the cemetery and you texted me about the saying like well mark you you pointed this out the first time we saw this and i was like yeah but this is this is one of those times i kind of wished i was wrong (laughs) 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 which was that uh, do we remember which issue it was was it the first issue of last remains
0: or it was something like that and i mean it was definitely an oddly drawn issue but I but I'm not exactly sure which one it was, but it's framed. The page is framed exactly the same way this page is framed, except Otto is replaced with Kindred.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like we we are under the under the belief that, you know, what we are seeing the first time around, not in this issue. But the first time around is what we're seeing is Kindred kind of ripping his way through a cemetery, going through a coffin uh, you even see what appears to be one of his centipede arms uh, ripping something up. But at the time, I said, also kind of looks like Doc Ock's arms, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's what we're seeing here now. It's it's actually Otto ripping through the the cemetery. He's trying to regain his memories because he's got gaps from, from the deal that he struck with Mephisto to kind of add the cherry on top uh, of all this. You know, he gets this... He gets to one of the coffins. It's empty. So this kind of plays into the empty coffin of Carly Cooper, I'm assuming, is getting brought into this. Not Carly's coffin. I'm saying the ones that she pointed out were were empty, right? Then on top of that, we have a little uh, kindred centipede crawling out of Otto's ear. So like, you know, and, and it's whispering things to him. And it's like, basically, it's, it's we're, 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 we're as I said at the beginning of the episode here, Dan, we're we're going back to kindred kindred is being linked to every single important thing in this run and i just i i just don't know why like we have to just make everything about kindred like you know like it, it, to me it just doesn't work anymore like like again i hate to repeat myself but as i said earlier you had your shot to make me care about kindred and you missed completely you missed you, you missed your shot like trying to now bring in you know, classic characters. You know, Otto. I'm assuming others in the Sinister Six are going to somehow be getting manipulated by kindred. Like, it, it's you're just wasting your time. I don't care. Like, this is this is just adding hype to something that you frankly hyped up and then flopped on. So, what what, what could you possibly do to redeem this character at this point in a way where all of a sudden I'm really gonna like buy into? The 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 importance and stakes of this character.
0: I I feel similarly, but with a, a little bit of a difference because like I, I, thinking back on post Last Remains, I enjoyed that one issue where it was like Peter, you know, talking to MJ, and we saw Kindred, and and the one where uh, Peter goes to confront Liz, and they find the Goblin stuff in Harry's closet, like. Those were additional wrinkles to the Kindred mystery that I was really interested in because they seemed related to the information that we already had. This to me feels like a continued expansion on that into a whole other realm that I'm like, I don't know that I want to see this story expanded again. I just want to see a conclusion to this story. You know, maybe it was there all along in that image that we saw. I don't know what the implication of this mirrored pages? Does it mean that the kindred we saw tearing up graves before was actually kindred tearing up graves? And this is Otto doing something similarly. Does it mean that that when we saw that image before it was like a dream of Peter's, but it was actually Otto in real life doing that. I'm not really sure what, what it means. I will say, I think I had a different interpretation of the very end of it is I don't think that Kindred is in Otto's head, yet he gets in it at the end of the issue. I think it's the, it's the centipede crawling into his ear. Then that leads me to wonder what brought Otto to that grave. And like it says Otto, he says out loud that he was guided there by gaps in his memory, which would the gaps would be like Superior Spider-Man. So is he going to his own grave and Kindred knew that he would be looking there and set a trap? For him, that that would be very curious to me. You know, is it is it the grave of Harry Osborne with a fa- the fake body that was described by Mysterio back when we learned about like the first time we learned about Harry Osborne going to Europe and faking his death? I I don't know what would draw Otto to Harry Osborne's grave. I don't really know that those characters have much in common with each other except for maybe like their connection to the Stacys in some way and that Otto killed Captain Stacy, and like Harry is good friends with Gwen, which seems to be fueling some aspect of the kindred thing, but that's such a reach, you know, like I could try to bring in the lookouts, but I think it's like such an enormous reach in, in that regard. I, I don't know like really how to interpret this, which I think is Spencer's MO, but it leaves me kind of like, a little at at a remove because I just I like I said I'm not eager to see this continue
1: expanding. I'm not eager to see it either. I, I like I said for me it's just this insistence. I mean you know since the very first issue of this run you know we we introduced this character and you know we 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 are getting the sense that this character is just pulling all these strings but. You know, to the point you were making earlier, we we still don't know what the rules are. We still don't know what the extent of his powers are. I mean, it's not even about. I mean, you know, okay, yeah, I, I've given up on the idea of of it's not about the who, but like we still don't know enough what you know, <laughs> or how, or why, or anything. You know, like it's 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 been sixty four issues, and we're still we're still kind of barely into this story, and you know maybe. Per your other speculation, this is starting to reach some kind of conclusion soon. And I just don't see how, if that's the case, how any of this can reach in any kind of satisfying way, you know, like where, where things feel fleshed out and and well-explained and well-documented and well-justified. To me, it just feels like it's like going back into the 90s and being like, you know, well, you know, we're kind of we're kind of sputtering along on this story. Let's throw Venom and Carnage in it. You know, like that's what the, that's what Kindred feels like to me right now. I feel like it's just well, like or,
0: or even Superior, right? Where it was like, OK, well, we this thing is going well, so let's throw Venom into it. You know, and I think that's where you saw Superior really sputter is these, you know, Venom showed up. The Goblin showed up. I mean, I, I, and those are the stories that I think the least of from right. that era. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well right. But like it's it's just, like I said, it's just this like lack of trust of being able to tell a story without an attraction, I guess. I don't know, but like is kindred even an attraction at this point? Like I don't, you know, like kindred is only an attraction because people say he's an attraction, but he's not what has he done that makes me care about whether or not this character showed up? I mean, heck, at least Venom and carnage when they showed up in their heyday would beat the crap out of Spidey and and you know really pose a threat. like I mean you know the, even even everything that happened between Kindred and Spider-Man like we don't even know what was real or not. <laughs> like it just kind of felt like a like a like a dream state for the most part.
0: I want everybody I want all these writers to go back and read the menace storylines from brand new day. Like that's how you do one of these mysteries. Like that might be one of the truly only satisfying reveals in these books because it made sense. It was short. We got to it eventually. It was connected to our characters in some way. It was connected to the larger world in a way that was meaningful to everybody. I know people like to rag on Brand New Day, but like that, that to me is so endlessly more satisfying than, than any of the stuff that we're, we're getting right now in terms of mystery elements. And maybe it's just that Spider-Man has really moved too far into these mystical realms and, and it's gotten too weird. and, And I just appreciated the more grounded approach of the minutes thing. Even if it was like a reboot, like another goblin in the Osborn family, we haven't talked much about the art here. You know, we've praised Vincentini as kind of a new creator here Something of a, like, bit of a cross between, like, an Otley and, and like, a Ramos. What do you think of his work in, in this issue?
1: I wouldn't say it's a step back, but I don't feel it was as strong as some of his other issues. I mean, like, overall, I mean, you mentioned the, the, the cover as well. And I know that's not Vincentini, that's Bagley, but, like, I felt, I felt in general the art of this book from cover to cover felt kind of rushed and a little sloppy and not as not as clear. I mean, a lot of the action here, especially like the, you know, the scenes with Madame Mask and Crime Master and Randy and Janice kind of all, you know, like in close corners. I had I had a hard time following the action cleanly. Uh, Ditto for when Peter is kind of recapping the scene that we were talking about before, the 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 cheat that I'm not cheated by. <laughs> like, you know, there, there's some things kind of lack some visual clarity to me. And I, I just feel like there was some sloppiness to them and, and and which was kind of unlike Vincentini's earlier work on this book.
0: Yeah, I know exactly the moment that you're re- referencing where Pedro gets like blasted by Madame Mask. There's just like so much going on in that page. I was like, I, I just couldn't piece together Who was moving where? And I think also being kind of unmoored in time and putting together how that fit into the narrative of the previous issue really, really threw me off. I felt like his line work was a little bit thinner here and less, there's less rendering than we had seen before. Like I think about the cleanliness of the MJ reveal that he did back during Last Remains versus the kind of like really busy, quick pencil work here. I still think it's fun. This stuff is fun and expressive looking, but like then there's like pages where like Spider Man's eyes are like like on his chin, and it's just like what is going on physically with Spider Man's head in that in that image. Yeah, to me, it felt a bit a bit rushed. And you know, speaking of like how the costume is rendered, you know, there's still some cool effects being done with it, but like what happened to the story with this costume? You know, I, I was really looking forward to that. And right now it feels like a super afterthought and like I'm I'm very anxious that like we're going to get to the end of the story and then like a key moment the costume's going to have a little micro beat and we'll just have been stringing it along this whole time just for like for, so we can execute on a story instead of having it be organically weaved throughout. Uh, we feel like we, we introduce something and like OK, no more costume fun. Uh, and I find that a little bit disappointing.
1: And, and I think even like was either in the intro page or, or like in one of the earlier recaps of the story, like it felt like they were setting up the costume to play a part. And then, like you said, yeah, the, the costume is just a complete non-factor of this entire comic. So you want to get to some grades on this?
0: I'm still kind of feeling my grade out, actually. What are you thinking, Mark? I, you
1: know, I'm gonna give it a B minus. Uh, I think I was probably what, like a, I think B last time. I mean, I, I I think this was a little less compelling than the last time out. But like again, I I do like the scenes with Lonnie and 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 Robbie, and the Mirage thing made me was was a, was a highlight for me. The the Fred note at the end. I mean, you know, but you know obviously there are some other things going on here that that kind of knocked it down a, a notch or two for me so
0: i'm i'm going to give this one a c plus just because it it doesn't really feel like a, like a very meaty entry in this story like i said i enjoy all those things but it felt a lot of kind of like either like table setting or like slight increments forward and i just and i also felt like there was a real lack of peter and his voice in this one and that always is something that i consider when I when I'm giving a grade. So C plus for me, but but you know, like I enjoy it more than maybe that grade sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. Now I'm like really hedging.
1: No, no, no. Stick with it, Dan. Stick to your guns. Stick to your guns. (laughs) All right. Well, it is that time, time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of the amazing spider talk.
0: Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxon, and Spider Maj. This episode, like all of our episodes, was originally released on Patreon as a live stream hangout with us back when the comic was first released. So, if you'd like to help us support our show's continued existence and these reviews, While joining us on the live stream, why not head on over to our Patreon and sign up? So Mark, until you start pulling centipedes out of your ears, what's our motto? At
1: least you said my ears. I thought at first that it was going to be pulling them out of somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That motto, of course, is, with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing Spider Talk. Don't,
0: Don't miss the next installment.